Totally Football Show, totally flummoxed by the goings-on in the world's greatest game these past few days. Arsenal line up £72 million deal for Nicolas Pepe. What? Yeah, of course I've heard of him. Fire up the video printer, Atleti put seven. Yes, S-E-V-E-N past Real as Diego Costa scores four and gets sent off in New Jersey. But Los Blancos bail out of Gareth's Chinese takeaway with the Welsh winger destined to spend the season sooning himself in Madrid rather than embedding himself in Chinese culture. All that plus humorous injuries, your questions and more coming at you like Sead Kalazinac up against some knife-wielding Uton mopeds. This is the Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Hey, hey, listener, welcome. It's nice to have your company, etc. and so on. I'm Matt Davis-Adams, keeping AC Jimbo's seat warm for the penultimate time. Alongside me today are Michael Cox, colon, author of The Mixer, colon, the story of Premier League tactics, comma, from Route 1 to False Nines, and the all-new zonal marking, colon, the making of modern European football. And Michael, how are the pre-season preps for Merston 2.0, a.k.a. Kingstonian go? <laughs> Great reference. Uh, only the one pre-season friendly I've gone to so far. I think I'm missing the first game, but looking forward to Wingate and Finchley away on the, the first Tuesday of the season. Who isn't? Uh, joining Michael is only Tom Williams, author of Do You Speak Football? Question mark, colon, a glossary of football words and phrases from around the world. Hello, Tom. Hello, Matt. Uh, controversial with a question mark and a colon. Let's hope the leader of the House of Commons doesn't find out. Yes, well, I, I wonder about that. And I'm not sure what the rules are when you have a book whose main title finishes with a question mark and then a subheading. I would argue that it doesn't necessarily need... Uh, a colon um, and I've noticed that on the various different websites where the book is still for sale it seems to change from website to website so maybe someone can give us a judgment call on that Jacob if you're listening tweet us at the totally show actually don't now then Tom you're from Wales so perhaps better place than quite literally anyone to know what's going on inside the mind of Gareth Bale he's also Welsh the latest news from Madrid that his million pound a week move to the Chinese Super League club Jiangsu Suning is now off and project make football massive in China is going to have to look for a new figurehead Fellaini you're up. The CSL transfer window closes on Wednesday. Anton Tolui from Sky Sports News and the Parts Unknown Wrestling Podcast tweeted this morning that Jansu Sunning have signed Ivan Santini from Anderlecht, thus filling their quota of foreign players. Uh, what's going on here? It's, it's Real Madrid who've pulled the plug on it, basically. Yes, appears to be. Uh, from the reports I've read, the suggestion is that, that Florentino Perez, the Real Madrid president, who's also always been quite a, a big Gareth Bale fan, wasn't happy with him being bundled out through the back door um, and in a move that appears contrary to the wishes of Zinedine Zidane who is clearly very much not a Gareth Bale fan uh, Perez decided that he wants he wants him to stay put uh, at least for now um, and it's it's hard to see how this situation will resolve itself when Zidane is so clearly determined not to involve Bale in his plans in the coming season. Um, Clearly, we know that Bale's wage demands are uh, prohibitive in terms of him potentially joining other clubs. Um, So it really leaves him in limbo. From a, a neutral perspective, from from a you know from from a Welsh perspective, the thought of him going to China at the relatively young age of thirty was quite a dismaying one. But at the same time, it's clear that he's he's not happy at Madrid. It's clear that he's unwanted at Madrid. So you thought, well, at least at the very least, he's going to be able to turn the page on that. Um, so yeah, for him to to now be back in Madrid and with no obvious escape route. Uh, yeah, doesn't look like an ideal situation for him. And Michael, there was some talk that maybe uh, Suning, who are the, the club who's going to join Jiangsu Suning, they also own Inter Milan. Maybe they would have loaned him out from the Chinese club to Inter Milan straight away and Real Madrid weren't that keen on that. What, why would that even bother them if that was a thing? 
Yeah, I, I take your point. I guess there's a difference between selling him to a, a team who are kind of perceived as a rival in vague European terms and him going to China. But uh, the Guardian had the scoop on him going to Inter about eight years ago. That's a very niche reference that some people might get and some people might not get. I do remember that, but it didn't happen. No. So basically Real Madrid decided they want to transfer fee for him seems to be part of it as well we, we've talked about in recent weeks how much Zinedine Zidane has really hung Bale out to dry I wondered if there's any way back for Bale at Madrid because I was kind of thinking that something not dissimilar happened with David Beckham under Fabio Capello didn't it and Beckham ended up coming in in the second half of the season and they won the league is is this a totally different situation or is there any way that Bale could end up actually having an impact for Madrid I wouldn't be amazed if he if he does play a part next season. I mean, if you're going to have someone like that hanging around the club, one, you might as well take advantage of their qualities to use them as and when. And second, it's it's probably better for them financially to show this is a player who is still a professional and get him off the books and try and get a transfer free rather than just end up having to release him for free. So, yeah, God knows what will happen, but uh, hopefully his future is sorted soon. You know, if he is going to leave, he can he can go somewhere where he's going to be playing football regularly, and he can start enjoying his football again. And if he is going to stay at Madrid, and and the fact that Marco Asensio has picked up this fairly serious knee injury suggests that that perhaps that's a factor as well in Madrid wanting to keep him. Um, but yeah, as Michael says, if he is if he is going to stay, hopefully they use him a little bit, and and maybe there could yet be some sort of rapprochement between him and Zidane. But I've never really understood Gareth Bale and I didn't understand his desperation to go to Real Madrid. We were told when he went there that this had been his like boyhood dream to, to go and play for Real. But when Gareth Bale was growing up, Real were these kind of Galacticos, you know, expensively assembled players that played completely individualistically but completely failed as a team. And Bale has gone there and seems to completely dislike this kind of celebrity lifestyle. He's gone there and there's a few kind of weird things where... Ancelotti got really annoyed with Bale because midway through when Real were on a kind of 20-25 match uh, winning run, Bale's agent went to Ancelotti and said, Gareth's bored of playing on the right, he wants to play through the centre. And Ancelotti was like, well, we've won 20 games in a row, we're not going to change things now. And that was a very strange thing for him to demand at a time when the team just couldn't facilitate it. I've always found Bale a slightly odd character. It's just kind of something kind of cold and detached about him. It seems like he's made no effort to kind of learn Spanish which I can understand why Zidane would be annoyed about because it makes you know it completely under, undermines the team spirit and now seems content with a move to China at 30 presumably thinking well my career's probably peaked I've won four European Cups I'm probably not going to better that there's just something strange about him as a character I think he he plays in a kind of passionless way as well Tom you, you will have some Chinese footballisms I'm sure lay them on us so I'd sort of prepared these in the expectation that, that Gareth Bale would be would be going to China, but um, they are applicable nonetheless. So one term that I quite like is a Cantonese term, duck sick. Um, that's not the vomit of a duck, spelling slightly different, uh, which means to eat alone. And that describes a player who's selfish and never passes to anyone. And that would have been quite fitting for Gareth Bale, who you imagine probably does eat alone uh, in, in both senses of the, uh, of the expression, given that no one appears to like him. Another Cantonese one, uh, stir-fried aeroplane is a name for a shot that balloons off target, which, again, something that Gareth Bale is, is no stranger to. And, uh, yeah, a, a term that is used to warn a teammate that they have an opponent closing in on them unseen uh, you shout there's a ghost um, which is perhaps unnecessarily dramatic but I'm sure it gets the message across there's, there's some quite interesting ones from around the world because I guess in 
the English language, you just say man on, which does what it says on the tin, isn't all that creative. In Argentina, you shout thief. In Portugal, you shout police, which I think is a fantastic <laughs> contrast. Whereas in Brazilian Portuguese, you would shout, oh, watch out, there's a thief coming to steal the ball. In Portugal, it's watch out, it's the police. And again, you know, not wishing to cast any aspersions about the, the, uh, the morality of, of Portuguese footballers, but an interesting, interesting contrast nonetheless. Certainly is. Do you speak football available wherever you buy books now? You're listening to The Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Last word on Bale and, and Real Madrid for the moment. What were they getting up to on the pitch on Friday night? Yep, over in New Jersey's MetLife Stadium, Atletico laid the smackdown on Madrid rivals Real in the International Champions Cup. Finished 7-3 to Atleti, the result perhaps the biggest upset at the MetLife Stadium since Fandango beat Chris Jericho at WrestleMania 29 and unquestionably the biggest mauling since Triple H's no-holds-barred victory over Batista at this year's Mania. WWE reference tick, producer Ben insisted on it, don't at me. Speaking of wrestling, Diego Costa had an interesting game. He scored a first-half hat-trick, added a fourth on 51 minutes and was then sent off on 65 after fighting with Danny Carvajal. Uh, Michael, did you see this game? 7-3 7-3 is massively flattering for Real Madrid. I mean, Atleti was 6-0 up and 7-1 up and were wasting chances. I mean, it was an incredible mauling, really. I mean, you can't read too much into pre-season results. But when there's a team 7-1 up against their most fierce rivals, you kind of have to have a look at it. I mean, Ramos looked absolutely clueless up against Costa. Those two have had running battles over the years. Again, don't read too much into it, but if you're a Real Madrid fan, you would be a little bit terrified watching that. Uh, it says here Hazard and Jovic started up front, but they looked terrible and hardly had a shot till the 65th minute. Yeah, uh, last half hour, yeah, that's accurate. Hazard came into it and, and was tricky down the left, as we've come to expect. But uh, when you've signed a few new players, there's going to be teething problems. And, you know, that's kind of what we've said about Real traditionally, but they've had a very settled squad over the last five years. I think that's one of the secrets of... They're slightly surprising for Champions League successes because I don't think at any point they've been the best side in Europe, but they have had a very consistent team. And now they've almost gone back to the old Real Madrid of, of bringing in some some very expensively assembled superstars. And Tom Atleti, massive turnover for them. We've spoken about the players they brought in, but no Godan, Griezmann, Rodri, etc. Um, so this is a real fillip for them. Uh, Kieran Trippier played most of the game. Uh, it looks as though they might be able to get away with this huge turnover in their squad and, and, and be able to challenge again this season. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously a punt and, you know, uh, we know what Atletico Madrid's trademarks have been under Diego Simeone and I think their recruitment this summer um, suggests that they're, they're perhaps looking to evolve their style a bit. Certainly the, the acquisition of Joao Felix is a move in that direction. Um, I don't expect they'll be scoring seven goals every weekend. Um but, yeah, obviously an encouraging sign for them. And I think there is, there is a feeling that Atletico are, are going to be genuine contenders in the La Liga title race. Um, and, you know, obviously good for, for Spanish football to have them, you know, back in contention for La Liga. Paddy Power knows the very best way to sponsor a team is by unsponsoring them. That's why we're launching the Save Our Shirt campaign. And that's why Huddersfield Town's kit won't have our logo on it at all. Don't you wish we weren't on your shirt? Paddy Power, save our shirt. 
on Spotify, smart speaker and podcast platforms everywhere. This is the Totally Football Show from Muddy Knees Media. Webcam voyeurs. We've got a webcam now. You'll have noticed Tom is wearing sunglasses. This isn't just because he's what Boris Johnson would call a cool dude. It's because you've just had football injury-related surgery, Tom. What happened? Yes, so I was playing football about two and a half weeks ago and uh, someone volleyed the ball at my face from a distance of about two yards um, and I ended up having to have surgery to repair damage to my retina. Um, So I'm now wearing sunglasses at all time uh, not just because I am well cool but because my eye looks a bit weird Michael you got a football related injury as well didn't you yeah quite a similar thing last year I was playing five a side and blocked a ball with my ear my eardrum burst which sounds absolutely horrible like it's it's not it's not a particularly bad one to start you've basically got to let it recover unless it's really bad and then you have to have an operation but just the sound of your ear bursting is like it's just disgusting (laughs) I felt really bad as well because I was playing in the same game and when the ball hit Michael's head I involuntarily just shouted out striker in a sort of Alan Partridge style I I mean very unhelpful I just and and then it's assuming that it was you know a bang on the head and then we didn't see Coxie on the pitch for another six months or so what I'm hearing is two injury prone players in the twilight of their career (laughs) CSL moves coming to calling. I would take any move to China or the journalism equivalent of that, certainly. Guangzhou Evergrande, do get in touch at the Totally Show. Our long-time listeners may recall that producer Ben injured his finger in a bedroom-related incident a few years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Bedroom-related in that he was making the bed and snapped the tendon in his right finger and never make the bed in anger. Cue funny injuries, chat, it says here. We've got hundreds of these. Uh, Tendons in the hand, Alessandro Nesta rupturing one of them in his left thumb after playing PlayStation all night. He wasn't playing PlayStation all night, was he? That's just the excuse he came up with. Out for a month, surgery required. Uh, former Swansea player Alan Tate once broke his leg by falling off a golf buggy. Liam Lawrence, Stoke, Sunderland, everybody else midfielder tripped over his dog whilst walking down the stairs. How did you not notice a dog on the stairs? Could have been dark. It was, yeah, it was. It was a night. Right, OK. I Googled this this morning. <laughs> Fair enough. Missed three months uh, with a damaged ankle. Uh, do you remember, Tom, the Marco Asensio one from 2017, the most modern football injury oh, tattoo, ever? was it? It was he missed a Champions League game after getting an infection in a pimple caused by having his legs waxed. Wow. Uh, Tom, you've got a good one, beard-related. Yeah, this, this was last season. I remember talking about it on, on this very show. Bordeaux midfielder Yunus Sankare... Um, had a spell on the sidelines because of complications related to a beard implant, which I didn't even know was a thing. No, no. Uh, apparently it is. I quite like my footballer injuries with a, a, a side dose of hubris. So Dave Besant dropping a bottle of salad cream on his own foot, but kind of attempting to control it. Clearly the, the, the decision-making process must have gone, oh no, I've dropped the salad cream. Wait a minute. I'm a professional football player. I can bring this this tumbling bottle of salad cream down using my football skills. Oh, no, I can't. There's blood everywhere. Victim of circumstance as well, wasn't he, really? Because that was kind of 1990. I'm thinking it wasn't long after that that the plastic bottle of salad cream came in, Mm. in which case he would have been absolutely fine. fine. Uh, Michael, have you got a humorous one that that you remember? It's a real classic one, but um, Alex Stepney dislocating his jaw, shouting at his defence. I've genuinely thought about that quite a lot when I've 
seen a footballer shouting, just be careful. Yeah, be careful. I mean, that really applied to Gillingham winger Chris Welpdale in 2012, who had his scrotum split open after a nasty tackle. Uh, manager Andy Hessenthaler said at the time, it was a shocking challenge for me and worthy of a red card. He's probably going to have to have five stitches in his testicles. I'm not making it up. We've seen it in there. It's a horrific injury. I'm sure his wife won't be too happy about that tonight either. Can I tell a very short Andy Hessenthaler story? Which I may have said before on this podcast, apologies if I have, but... At roughly that point, well, probably just before, actually, Andy Hessenthaler was player-manager of Gillingham. And for a game, I can't remember what it was, he named himself as a substitute for a game, while obviously still in the technical area, barking out instructions, and got sent to the stands for shouting abuse at one of the officials, and then got around that by just bringing himself on as a substitute. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you would have thought that if you're dismissed yeah, that's from the it. dugout, that's it for your, for your playing day as well, but apparently not. So he just trotted on, presumably shouting abuse at the linesman as he went. <laughs> OK, last one for now. Ever Benegra at Valencia 2012. Forgot to put the handbrake on at the petrol station. It rolled back, causing a fractured tibia and fibula in his left foot. Could have been worse. He could have been Phil Leotardo, right? Sopranos fans. More funny injuries later on, but time we talked about some transfer news. Uh, Michael, Arsenal in summer transfer business shocker. Uh, firstly, are you excited about Danny Ceballos? He played 20 minutes at the weekend against Lyon? Yeah, he's, he seems like a good signing. Only a loan, I'm not sure it will... There's no option to buy, as far as I'm aware, but uh, you never know. And Tom, Nicolas Pepe, who scored loads of goals last season for Lille, £72 million, apparently Arsenal have agreed a fee, but maybe PSG might swoop. What, what can you tell people who've been frantically Googling Pepe for the last... 48 hours uh, he was one of the best players in France last season uh, the best player outside PSG um, he was the symbol of this really exciting counter-attacking Lille team um, who uh, exceeded all expectations by finishing second behind PSG qualifying for the Champions League it was clear from midway through the season that he would be sold at the end of the campaign uh, very exciting skillful left-footed, uh, right-sided attacking player. Um, joined Lille uh, when Marcelo, Marcelo Bielsa was coach. And Bielsa was convinced that he could play at centre-forward because he, when Bielsa had watched him playing at Angers, he seemed to get in good goal-scoring positions all the time and was a, a very accomplished finisher. But Pepe was never really comfortable playing there. Um, and over, the, over the, the first half of the season when Bielsa was there, Lille sort of slide towards the relegation zone. Bielsa ends up getting sacked. Christophe Galtier comes in. One of the first things he does is move Pepe out to the right flank. He was one of the key figures uh, in their successful escape from relegation in the 2017-18 season. And then last season, kicked on again, moved up a level. Um, and yeah, he's clearly ready for a move to a Champions League club. Um, he's been linked with... Uh, Napoli as well, with Liverpool, with United. Uh, the suggestion all along has been that his preference would be to go to PSG. He's from Paris, so obvious um, personal connection there. I don't think PSG have ever been in for him. They're, they're pretty well stocked when it comes to pacey young forwards. But yeah, a, a very exciting signing potentially for Arsenal. But it does beg the question, if they had £72 million lying around... Why spend it on another forward and not a centre-back, given that they haven't got any good centre-backs? Well, Michael, this £72 million, has, has Edu got pictures of Stan Kroenke in a compromising position or something? Where's this come from? I'd happily see them if he does. <laughs> uh, no, um, yeah, I take the point. I think it's a, it's a comment you can probably only make at the end of the transfer window because I'm still slightly suspicious that Arsenal might not have a Bamiyang and Lacazette by the start of the season. So they may 
have kind of preemptively replaced one of them and will reinvest some more money in a centre-back. I, I mean, I agree, they do need to shore up the defence, but there were a lot of games last season where I watched Arsenal and I thought, they do need some more speed and trickery out wide. I, I think it was an area up front they're covered, number 10 they're covered, but out wide they were lacking a really quality player in that mould. So I don't think it's a bad signing in that respect. And and by all accounts, he looks very promising, Pepe. So I can see why they've gone in for him. So if he does come in, that presumably means Wilfred Zaha is not going to Arsenal. We hear Everton have offered £55 million. Palace want a bit more. Maybe they say, give us a Balassian and McCarthy on top of that and we'll talk. But Zaha going to want to go to Everton? I think from Zaha's perspective, you look at his, his status now in the Premier League, generally considered to be one of the, if not the best player outside the top six. Um, I don't see the sense in him leaving Palace if it's not going to be a Champions League club. And you would have thought that at some point, a Champions League club, at the very least the Europa League club, are going to want to bring in Zaha and, and make him a central a central figure in, in, in the way they play. So yeah, um, Everton would, would be a slightly curious one. Um, and also I'm not sure he's necessarily what Everton need. They're, they're pretty well stocked when it comes to creative attacking players. What they need and what they've been crying out for for the last two or three seasons, well basically ever since Lukaku left, is, is a centre forward, is a goal scorer. Although Zaha has played as a central forward for Palace. I'm, I'm not sure I see him playing there long term. So, yeah, it doesn't strike me as, as an ideal move for either for either him or Everton, that one. I think part of Zaha's problem is the big clubs haven't really lost any good attackers or sold any attackers. I mean, if Liverpool had lost Mane or if Tottenham had lost Son, off the top of my head, maybe Zaha would be the player they're going in for. Um, but there don't seem to be that many avenues presenting themselves. So he's left with Everton or Palace. And I think... In his position, I'd be inclined to stay at Palace in the hope that this time next year you'll get a bigger move than that. Michael Paolo Dybala to Spurs, would that would that be a good move? Would he work well with Harry Kane? Is it is it likely to happen? He seems to want to stay at Juve, but maybe Juve don't want him to stay. I'm not entirely sure that's the right kind of player for Spurs, to be honest. I like Dybala a lot. I kind of think you have to organise your team around him a little bit, and I'm not sure Spurs like doing that. They like to be very flexible, and they've got lots of very good attacking players who work there. I can assume maybe that's because they're a little bit scared that Ericsson will leave, but he's a very different player to Ericsson. I mean, plays higher up the pitch. I'm not sure about that one. Wolves have done some business. Uh, looks as though they've nabbed Patrick Catrone from Milan, a striker who played for Italy this summer's Euro under-21s. Uh, they've also got Jesus Vallejo on loan from Real Madrid. Wolves beat Crusaders 2-0 in the first leg of their Europa League qualifier last week first half goal from Diego Jota and then Ruben Vinagra stroked a second home in injury time uh, elsewhere that's that's top work Ben that, that, that is the best piece of scripting you've done in 2019 uh, last piece of transfer news Sir Alex Ferguson wants Man United to sign Aston Villa's John McGinn uh, adopts Neil from the office voice Alex you don't work here anymore you can't just keep popping in for a chat whenever you feel like it also his last two bequeathments were David Moyes and Wilfred Zaha so maybe yeah thanks for that we'll, we'll, we'll take it under advisement Tell you what, all that was very exciting, but not as exciting as this. Over to producer Ben, who's been speaking to Lee Price from Paddy Power. Thank you very much, Matt Davis-Adams. It's Lee Price from Paddy Power on the line. And Lee, we're going to start with the news that Arsenal have done a signing. Now, can Pepe score 20-plus goals for the Gunners like he did in France last season? Hmm, An interesting one, this. I have to say... This is the first player who's cost 70-odd million that I've never actually seen play. We've gone 10-1 to 1 that he scores more than 20 goals next season. He must be pretty good then. 
On a tangent from Pepe, it looks like uh, Arsenal have chosen him over Wilf Zaha. So might Zaha actually end up at Everton? <laughs> what on earth is going on here? Uh, I thought he was an Arsenal fan. I thought that was set. They couldn't afford him, though. And instead, they spent all that money on Pepe. Now Everton emerge as the favourites of Zaha because, yes, of course, another winger is what they need. It's 10 to 11 he starts the season at Goodison Park. We haven't ruled out he stays at Palace or he goes to Arsenal, but by far the favourites are moved to the Toffees. We've been talking about Gareth Bale, of course. Looks like he's not going to be going to China this season. But give us some numbers, please, on him scoring against an English club before the season is done. Yeah, it was all a bit strange, wasn't it? Apparently he is staying at Real Madrid now. It's just 5-1 to one he scores against an English team this season because, of course, he will. I quite fancy the chance of him scoring the Champions League final or any other final, actually, and proving his point. That's just 6-1. to one. This could be Bale's season. And sticking with Real Madrid, is Zinedine Zidane going to get sacked? Hmm, interesting. Any other club apart from Manchester United, then you would say no way. But in this case, the Gareth Bale interference from Florentino Perez suggests there may be a divide already. It's just 2-1 to one Stan isn't in charge come the end of the season, although it does suggest that he will be because odds on that he'll stay. You can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app. Prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's over 18s only. Terms and conditions apply. And when the fun stops, stop. Hey, listeners, it's me, James Richardson, taking a break from the world's strongest men and model railway enthusiasts to tell you that it's not long now till the new season. And excitingly, we're going to be doing a Totally Football Live in London at the Southbank Centre. It's happening on the evening of Monday, September the 30th, when I'll be joined on stage by mystic of the statistic Duncan Alexander and continental heartthrobs Julian Laurence and James Horncastle, one of whom is actually from Hull. If that sounds like your sort of night out, then head to the southbankcentre.co.uk, search for Totally Football Live, and then click on the nice purpley picture of me. That's Totally Football Live at the Southbank Centre, Monday, September the 30th. Get your tickets at southbankcentre.co.uk and see you soon. Tom, what have you been writing about since we last saw you? Um, various things. Um, I've been doing a bit of research into football chants at the moment. Yes. Um, UK football chants. I made some some quite surprising discoveries, like chants that I knew absolutely nothing about. So, for example... Uh, Nottingham Forest have a chant two-time about two-time European champions Nottingham Forest have a chant um, about the city ground to the tune of Mull of Kintyre yeah it gets played Mull of Kintyre gets played as the players walk onto the pitch and then they drop it and the supporters sing the rest and the best thing is there's the key change in Mull of Kintyre they, they sing the key change this is like, this like mass sort of Westlife standing up from the stools moment and everyone got a city ground it's quite something um, yeah, standing up on the back of my neck just thinking about it what, what are your favourites that are doing the rounds sort of Premier League wise or my beyond these days my favourite chant from last season is probably too obscene to the tune of oh what a night oh what a night watching Tottenham on a Tuesday night you play Thursdays because you're Night. What a feeling, what a night. You, of course, being Arsenal, who were stuck playing in the Europa League, um, which is obviously great inter-club banter, but I just think the, the, um, the pacing of that chant, 
is very satisfying. And when you hear it from the entire stadium being belted out with the relish that you only ever hear when a group of fans are chanting about their rivals at a time when their team have unquestionably got the upper hand, makes it a, a favourite of mine. Uh, my favourite Chelsea one at the moment is for Azpilicueta, which goes, we'll just call you Dave, we'll just call you Dave, Azpilicueta, we'll just call you Dave, because they actually say Azpilicueta, it's, um, it's quite funny. Classically, the Stoke one to the Kajagugu song, Tun Chai Chai, Huth Huth Abdullai, that's uh, very clever. Nice. Johan Kabai when he was at Crystal Palace. How did that one go? He used to play in black and white. I don't know why. Now he plays in red and blue. Johan Kabai. Nice. We're scoring goals for fun. And I know why. Why, man? Yeah, yeah. Johan Kabai. Johan Kabai. Johan Kabai. But of course, he didn't score many goals or, or set many up. But sensational chant. Sunday, Monday, Happy Bay. That was always that was uh, a, that was good. a classic. Michael, have you got any Kingstonian or, or lower league ones? No, one, one with the Spurs, a similar similar theme to Tom's, is that when they're at Real Madrid, was it last season? And their fans were all singing Tottenham in the Bernabeu, Arsenal watching Emmerdale, which I really like because it works better if you say it in a kind of North London <laughs> accent. And also it's just a ludicrous assertion that Arsenal fans are Emmerdale watches. I just can't see that. <laughs> um, Dulwich Hamlet to the tune of Ain't Nobody by Shaka Khan have Ain't No Team like Dulwich Hamlet makes me happy, makes me feel this way. One um, of my favourites from last season, which we did talk about on the pod, was the Huddersfield Town chant about Florent Hadaganai, which was to the tune of Here Comes a Hot Stepper. Na 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 Just tremendous. That is good. In terms of worst, I don't like this theme that's taken on in the last couple of seasons where you get one club comes up with a really good chant and then everyone else apes it. One of our own. Alay, alay, alay. Achy Breaky Heart, which went for Deli Alley, Meza Ozil, Dimitri Payet, Ruben Neves and somebody who plays for Colchester, that LA, LA, LA one, which it, it, on its own it contains, the Liverpool version contains the line, we are loyal supporters, which turns the stomach a little bit. And ones that no longer exist, uh, Ben has proffered, you don't hear your ah much anymore. You know when somebody takes a goal kick, oh. You can still find it. You still find <laughs> it. You hear it sometimes. Country, yeah. There are some grounds that have just resisted kind of modern chant trends and still cling to it. What I love in particular is when you get a group of fans who've clearly lost interest in the game for whatever reason. Maybe their team are losing heavily or maybe they're winning very comfortably and just decide that they're going to give the keeper the treatment with every single goal kick. Uh, that's always quite special. Yeah, that's good at non-league grounds. On the subject of poor chance, I, I find that Arsenal have got quite a lot of weak chance. I found the old Patrick Vieira chant. He came from Senegal to play for Arsenal. Sort of symptomatic of the sort of unimaginative clunky chanting that you got at Arsenal quite a lot some clubs have good chants some clubs have bad chants they adapted that for Osama Bin Laden as well didn't they that chant <laughs> yeah he supports Arsenal he's hiding near Kabul better, With that, better. That, I mean they did it they've done it as well for Torreira where they've said he comes from Uruguay he's only 5 foot 5 but you've kind of got to say that he's good or like he's the greatest player <laughs> yeah. like, those are just facts <laughs> it's just reading it's his facts. Wikipedia profile <laughs>
You're still there, listeners. We'll finish up with yet more side-splitting injuries. Tom, you'll empathise with this one. Yari Lipmanen supposedly hit in the eye by a ring pull that lodged in his cornea Ooh. after pinging from a Coke can opened by Malmo's sporting director in 2005. That's pretty special. My favourite, though, from 2009. Then Glasgow Rangers defender Kirk Broadfoot nearly blinded himself and suffered some serious burns when some eggs he'd been poaching in the microwave exploded in his face upon inspection. You don't poach eggs in the microwave, Kirk. That's the, that's the key takeaway. Well, he knows there. that now. Yeah, he does. How do you do them, Tom? Um, I do it in a in a pan, I guess. That's the conventional. But anything special? Way, Make a whirlpool. I probably put some eye goggles on, given my current condition, yeah, and I would not too. inspect them from too closely. That's for sure. What's the tactical breakdown of poaching an eggs in the uh, in the Cox household? I'm not a big fan of poached eggs, actually. It's it's the least uh, it's my least favourite type of egg, I'd say. Really? Yeah, scrambled, fried. I'd put it above fried. Really? Almost purely just for health, health reasons. Boiled is boiled. Yeah, I actually, mean, boiled's boiled is boring. boring isn't it? Boiled's I wouldn't boring. go for boiled. I like a boiled egg. Scrambled, hard egg. boiled eggs. It's just the worst. Yeah, this is a vintage pre-season pod. Uh, to be fair, you mentioned the Alex Stepney one. That's that's in my list here. Uh, we've also got Santiago Canizares. Um, Milan goalkeeper Dida suffered back spasms during a league game against Parma in 2008. He was sitting on the bench when it happened and he had to be stretched off. Sounds made up, but but he really Dida. Uh, you remember that happened the, to one of England's physios uh, uh, in the Iceland game in Euro 2016. It wasn't it Italy 2014, the World ah, Cup game. Sorry, when Sterling Italy 2014. Yes, no, the the England scored and what's his name? Gary Lewin. Gary Lewin broke yes. his foot and was stretched off. Yeah. Yeah. Tom, other than wandering around the streets of London hoping to get cast in Blues Brothers, currently playing at the Savoy Theatre, uh, what does the week in store hold for you? <laughs> I don't know, to be honest. Bit of writing. I'm quite enjoying the fact that all the the, the season previews are now out. 442's preview magazine dropped through my door um, the other day. L'Equipe are now doing their team-by-team guide ahead of the start of the league and season so that's all picking up so um, yeah lots of good preview material around Michael came into the office with a big grin on his face this morning clutching a copy of the Racing Post which is your your go-to isn't it um, Michael you'll doubtless be off to the Oval on Tuesday for the big Vitality Blast match between your Surrey and the Kent Spitfires can Aaron Finch do it on a mild Tuesday night in South London? I don't think he will be doing it because I don't think he will be mild I think it's going to be rained off sadly oh. but I uh, appreciate the question I know you're not a big you're not a big cricket fan, are you? Not massively. Why ha- why haven't Surrey got an amusing moniker for this competition though? Like the Kent Spitfires. Oh. I looked at it and it's just Surrey. Yeah, we've had we've had a couple. What did we have? We had Surrey Lions, I think. But why nothing now? Because you shouldn't have anything. Basically, you should just be called your county. Ben says Surrey. I haven't a clue. Don't get me don't get me started on Warwickshire being the Birmingham Bears. That does my head in. But Kent is the best. I mean, Spitfires comes from Kent right. to start with. And I think they're still sponsored by Spitfire Ale as well. So to, to have your nickname as your sponsor and vice versa works well. Good, good sounds, stuff. Sounds a bit Brexit, unfortunately. It does. I, I <laughs> did no say that. Of their own. I did think that as I said it, but... Uh, yeah, it works well. Well, speaking of other sport, don't forget the Bradley Wiggins shows there for you to relive all the magic of the Tour de France. And back in the wide, wide world of football, the Totally Football League show returns on Wednesday. Yay! In the meantime, if there's something you want us to cover, let us know by sending a tweet to at the Totally Show. Thanks for listening. We'll say we do it again on Thursday. Try not to injure yourself in the meantime. You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddykneesmedia.com and don't forget to check out our other football podcasts on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and everywhere else you get your audio on demand.
Supporting your team can be a beautiful thing, but then come the injuries, the goal droughts and the downright disastrous defeats. That's a little bit like life, really. And here at the Totally Football Show, we believe we should all support each other the way we support our team, through the good days and the bad. And that's why we're continuing to work with Calm, the campaign against living miserably, a charity dedicated to preventing male suicide. On average, 12 men take their own life every day in the UK. So that's your starting 11 and your manager every single day. And part of the problem is that many of us still feel uncomfortable talking about mental health and suicide, and this can often stop men from opening up and getting support when they need it the most. So if you're worried that someone close to you is having a tough time, check in with them and let them know that Calm is there. Every day from 5pm till midnight, Calm provide a free, confidential and anonymous helpline and web chat for any man who needs support. Visit thecalmzone.net to find out more about Calm.